Everything you need is within you. Together, we will explore and deepen our innate connection back to self and spirit. We are the Oracles. We are the Oracles. Welcome to our podcast, Magical Teas with the Oracles. I am your co-host, Allie, and thank you for tuning in to our latest episodes, Meet the Oracles, The Awakening, and Connecting to Self. Today's episode is our first episode in our mini-series, Dreams. We have a very special guest that Arlene and I are very excited to introduce to y'all, Juliana Devar. Juliana Devar is a conscious dreaming explorer, guide, and founder of The Honey Hive, an intentional dreaming community. Initiated into the realms of dreaming as a young child, Juliana learned how to lucid dream as a survival method for chronic nightmares. Now in a place to explore these shattered dreams, she is one who finds wisdom in the dark as they have been her greatest teacher and healer. Juliana holds dreams as a bridge back into self and the interconnectivity of all living beings. As someone who believes every being dreams, she communes with the land, her ancestors, and interdimensional guides. Currently, she is most drawn to ancestral dreaming and understanding her identity as a mixed woman of Mexican and European descent. As someone who firmly believes all waking manifestations are first born from the dream, Juliana aims to create and sustain an environment for deep self-exploration and passionate heart-centered living. She joyfully accepts her mission as a dream guide and invites you to step into the magic and power that is dreaming. Welcome, Juliana, to our podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to discuss dreams with us. But before we get into today's discussion, let's do a quick check-in. Juliana, Arlene, how are y'all doing today? Hi, thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Yeah, I think, how am I doing today? Oh, I'm having actually a really restful morning, and I got surprised with donuts at my doorstep, so... (laughs) So I'm like, I'm definitely riding a little bit of a sugar high and yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I am actually kind of like really excited and nervous at the same time because you are our first guest. And so like preparing for this episode, Ali and I have been just like coming up with all these ideas. And so we're, we're just really happy and excited that you're here. Um, and we are, you know, a little bit nervous, but that's okay. <laughs> Ali, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, today was very tired. And then exciting excitement flows through me from just getting ready for this interview and talking with Gigi and Arlene um but I feel I feel pretty good so um Juliana would you like to tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and the honey hive so they can get to know you a little bit more and what you do yeah okay um welcome everyone to this beautiful podcast so my name is Juliana you can call me G Gigi Mama G um I'll pretty much accept anything with love and about me and dreaming. Um, My life has always been woven with the dream space, definitely as a little kid. Um, I was always a profound dreamer, uh, very vivid dreams, but most of them were actually 
nightmares, which you can imagine as a child was incredibly frightening. Um, and they really actually did stem from some early childhood trauma. So as a kid, um, I definitely didn't really understand how to work with dreams, but more so understand that they were important. Like even though I was having nightmares, there wasn't this place of, um, I guess like rejection of the dream space in its entirety, but more of like, okay, how can I learn to not have nightmares? How can I learn to suppress that further? Um, and a beautiful tool that I actually had um, was my grandmother who had studied dream interpretation. So we would go to her with our dreams and that was always something fun. And then um, let's see, yeah, in my mid twenties, I founded the Honey Hive, which is an intentional dreaming community as a place really for other dreamers to gather and learn how to navigate these dreaming spaces. And that came about um, from a series of spiritual awakenings that I had. Um, as, and honestly, like they were all through the dream space, to be completely honest, I'm like way too dense and physical. I'm like an earth sign Taurus, like straight up like earth. Um, so my spiritual awakenings had to come from the dreaming realms. And then what I experienced in there was honestly so profound and like world shaking to the point that I was crying um, and having these huge breakthroughs and experiencing that level of like love and acceptance and being in the place of dreaming where there is total receptivity um, really drove me to make a lot of changes within my life that once again, earth sign was too hard to do in the real life. So I practice it in the dream space. And about after a year and a half of that, I recognized that I had radically transformed my life by changing the actions that I took within my dreams. Um, and that's where I decided, okay, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. I was tr all trial and error all by myself, but I wanted to learn how to teach others how to access this type of self-awareness, healing, action, connection, pretty much like everything. Um, and then I found, yeah, a guide to basically help me um, learn and teach and bring the vision of the Honey Hive forward. I relate a lot of my childhood to... <clears throat> I had a lot of nightmares when I was little. And so teaching myself um, how to get out of those or when I would go to sleep and feel like it was gonna be a hard dream and finding ways that kept it from like going through. And so I really relate with that. And the dreaming has been something that I've always been fascinated. So when I came across um, Honey Hive, I was like, yes, somebody that understands how I dream because a lot of it wasn't like running in grass and being so pleasant. It was nightmares and things that I had to fight off. So it was really, it felt really good to find a community that understood that. Yeah, I think it's so important, right? To, um, I mean, we process so much in the dream space. So for me, it's like nightmares are a foundation of like who I am, to be completely honest. I can never at this point, uh, outrun a nightmare, I just have to say, okay, like, what, and what I mean by that specifically is that there will always be times in my life where nightmares will come back, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even if I do the work around it, or I'm able to exit a dream. Um, but with that, being able to voice that, like, hey, this space is, can be really difficult sometimes. And um, if that's part of, like, my style of dreaming, absolutely, how can I offer that to other people to say, like, it's okay, and we don't have to just 
pass it away and say, okay, well, that's just a nightmare and then like blow it off, but be like, yeah, how can we bring that nightmare to light? Um, what is the nightmare showing us? And especially like my understanding of nightmares is that it illuminates our wounding and is a place for healing. So if we can start to look at nightmares in that way and give people kind of the um, inspiration to uh, see their nightmares in a new way and hold space, like hold really safe space for people to explore that. Cause sometimes like, honestly, I wouldn't suggest to everyone to go in there and do it alone, but to really be able to find a community or a guide or a professional who can help you navigate those darker realms. Definitely. And for the audience that ha- that's not familiar with Gigi, she offers dream circles. And so one of, I, I was actually able to participate in the dream circle a couple of weeks back and the way Gigi approaches the dream circle and the dreams like she like looks at everything like every minute detail and she will like dissect it and try to help you and understand that so I think that's awesome when I heard about about the honey hive I was I was the same as Ali I was really excited because dreams have always been you know a part of my life whether or not i I remember them, but I, f- I feel like dreams are more of like a, a portal that can take you to different realms, different spaces, dimensions, and like different aspects of your subconscious. So I think having, having that, I guess, mentoring you, helping, helping us, helping me figure out what's going on in our subconscious is absolutely important. So if anybody ever wants to check out a dream circle, definitely do it. She is the person to go to. (laughs) Mm, Thank you. I love that you opened that door, right? Yeah. Dreams can transport us anywhere. And one of those places is deeper into ourselves. (laughs) I love that. How has your dreaming as with how was a child and how do you look at it now as an adult that actively participates in dreaming intentionally? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, As a child, definitely a lot of, um, at least in the nightmare aspect, right, was learning how to shut that off. And so there's a part of my childhood dreams where I really wanted to just explore the fun aspects of it and see um, how it could actually be more of an escape from the world that I was currently living in. Um, My waking reality was pretty difficult. So my dreams were more of like a place for me to go to have fun and explore. So as um, as a kid, I learned how to completely shut off any nightmares. I think I went like a solid five years without having nightmares. Um, And as an adult, what that's been is a complete 180 where I've begun to Um, embrace every dream. So my practice as an adult really is learning to understand how my dreams are moving me in physical existence and how they're kind of offering me these choices or these opportunities to see in new ways, whether it's a situation about myself or about the world that I'm living in. Um, My dreams as an adult really love to call me out. Um, So it's like, if my dream tells me that, you know, I've like messed up, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I hear you. And then I'll go ahead um, and kind of be like really receptive, right? Because that's me talking to myself or my guides communicating through me to see in this new way. So yeah, as an adult, um, my dreaming practice has also expanded into learning how to communicate with the earth or open up um, um, the dreaming realms as really a place of communication and connection, um, specifically with uh, people who pass on and my ancestors. Um, and more so recently, I've been learning a little bit of like herbalism 
Um, and so learning how to communicate with the plants in the dream space is awesome because you'll get from them like direct wisdom of like, yo, this is like what I'm good for. And it's funny because like at first you'll kind of like doubt it if it feels different than like what you've heard or maybe you don't even know the plant. Like Damiana came to me and was very clear and was like, oh, I'm for sleep. And um, I was like, okay, well, I know this as more of like um, a, uh, an herb for what is it like? Um, like pleasure. Well, I don't know what the right word is, like an aphrodisiac kind of like herb, right? Yeah. Um, and love. really like, yeah, yeah. And so did you say love? Oh, love and lust. It, that's yeah. what Damiana is known for and like that type of. Yeah. And then, so I started looking deeper on the internet, right? To ask more about Damiana. And then it's funny because I see Damiana in a lot of sleep and dream blends. And I was like, oh, the plant literally came to me and was like, yes, this is what I most commonly use for, but also with you, me specifically, and how you operate, this is how I can benefit you. So it's going to really, yeah, open this place of uh, deep connection. Wow, that's incredible. So the plant actually came to you and she was like, hey, use me for this. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. It was like a very clear sentence. I had had a whole dream about like um, herbs and it was this beautiful, vivid dream of like kind of seeing all these herbs in a terrarium and they were just kind of like floating, kind of like almost as if they're underwater, but also part of the sky And then just this um, very clear, like pretty much like I am Damiana and I'm here to help you with sleep. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I like, I wrote that down. Um, And now that's been, Damiana has been part of my personal dream herb blend that I use. And so you add it in your tea or what do you, how do you use? Yeah, so actually I really like smoking blends. I'm not like a smoker in any other way except for with these dream herb blends because sometimes the tea can be a little bit too strong for me, which I probably just need to like better dose myself. But I like to mix it with blue lotus, rose, damiana, and a little bit of mugwort. Mugwort tends to throw me into a lot of nightmares. So I only like to use her or work with her, I should say, in smaller amounts. And then in a smoking blend, it's so nice right before bed, sitting at an altar, creating an intention for the dream space, asking what I want to dream with, what energy I want to invite in, or perhaps I want clarity on something. And then being really intentional with um, bringing in those herbs to help facilitate my dreaming. Ooh, I know I've heard of herb blends, but I've never tried it as a sleep one, but now I'm very interested. I have some of those herbs. Oh, I'll totally send you my list. They're so nice. It just gives us really like euphoric, subtle, drifting off into sleep. And they really also help to create the ritual before bed, which is just a great way to honor the dream space. Yeah, creating um, that intention before bed is something I've been, since I worked with you last year, it's something mm-hmm. I've been trying to do every day so I can have yes. those types of dreams. And some days, if I dream well, I'll have those intentions and some days are just, I just need to sleep. Yeah. It's been really helpful since I took your class last year about the four elements that we did every week. Mm-hmm. And it was, I liked the, the way that you brought in the elements and infusing that into our dreams and created that intention for that week. And it also made me look at my dreams very differently than I did before. 
Yeah, it's so cool. What you bring up is this opportunity that um, whenever we expand into receiving information from different people, right, how they can actually shift our dreams. So we're dreaming with the elements all the time, but it's once we bring it into our awareness, will we actually notice how present they are in speaking with us? Mm-hmm. So I love this of just, um, and this is information that I can take to anyone uh, or give to anyone, excuse me, is that if you read a book that you really resonate with, look to see how that's showing up in your dream space. Look how your dreams are beginning to digest and understand that information and apply it to yourself. You'll see how you begin to integrate new things or even TV shows. I love to watch um, like fantasy and, um, and I love to read fantasy books too. So then suddenly my dream space can open up into more magic, right? Cause there is so much wisdom um, in those kinds of shows or whatever else you're interested. Look to see how it begins to move with your dreams. Wow, I didn't think about that. But yes, I love fantasy books. And seeing that within my third eye is what really helped my uh, third eye grow was was reading those books and experiencing that. Yes, I love that so much because I'm, I'm listening to the Harry Potter books again. I've read them when I was younger. Uh, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this on auto tape uh, audio. Right. And I've been having so I'm like trying to point to my bed, but people can't see my bed, obviously. But I've been <laughs> laying in bed, listening to Harry Potter and allowing my third eye to just create all the worlds. And I think that I was literally thinking that this morning where I was saying, oh, this is so helpful for basically helping like uh, clairvoyance and working with dream symbolism and receiving information. Yeah. And I, um, lately I've been, me and Arlene have been uh, reading about Don Juan since we're uh, preparing for this dream, this dream mini series. And <laughs> have you heard of Don Juan and any of his teachings? Yeah, I read, um, I read what, one book, right? By Carlos Castaneda, right? The teachings of Don Juan. Okay, yeah, I I started that one, and then I've been reading the Art of Dreaming by Don. Yes, Watts. the Art of Dreaming. Okay, so I have teachings, or yes, 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 I've heard. Yes, the Art of Dreaming. I read that um, a few years ago, and that was exciting because that just opened up into some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way Don Juan presents and explains the dream world and how to access it is very interesting and very different from what I've seen in other books. Yeah, it's cool because when you start to look at different cultures, you'll see that they all have different ways of accessing the dream space, right? And that one's really cool because you can see an indigenous culture about how they work with like energetic beings too. And it's funny because like there's a whole like uh, thing of like fear within that book that just got me so excited to be like yeah I'm gonna get in this <laughs> like I was talking to other people and they're like that scared me from dreaming and I was like what I was stoked on it for like months afterwards <laughs> to be like these crazy things can happen I want to be in those situations but I don't know we've talked about this before of that gung-ho like warrior energy of the dream space yeah I feel that too especially when I started reading it I guess with people that had that have had those types of dreams as a child and like going through them and, and building that spirit warrior and you see the fear like, oh, yes, I want to do that too. I'm all totally. I'm like, oh, there's a demon in my dreams. How many different ways can I slay you? <laughs> I called upon the elements once and I had like this light of like tornado and like just lightning just go. <laughs> <And I> was, <laughs> so, yeah, totally. 
So that's actually, is that something that you recommend for, for children who are having nightmares to just kind of like find different ways to confront that demon and take care of it? Or what do you recommend? Whoa, no, no, for children, I would probably have to absolutely recommend them speaking um, to adults, a safe adult. What I would say a lot of nightmares for children probably stem from is like uh, the fact that you're a growing tiny human with a lot of complex emotions that feel really like hard to express. Well, you have like these adults also telling you how to do things and trying to understand your own world, right? So for children, I would say that the best way for them to help navigate um, nightmares is to like work alongside someone. So something that really helps is being able to like name the monster, right? Like if you're having um, nightmares and you're a kid or even as an adult and you're able to like kind of like get that out, can you get it onto paper? Can you draw it? Can I would suggest having actually rituals for children this is something that I think really helps is like okay if I'm gonna express this monster I'm gonna draw it on a piece of paper can someone help hold ceremony for me so I could have a fire burning ritual to like you know really just like acknowledge the fact that they're happening and also find a way to transmute this energy and then working alongside to understand okay what is the actual root of the nightmares what is this child experiencing um what kinds of things are they processing and how can we move them towards healing in this i would say that finding allies in the dream space is also what i would suggest to children is like perhaps they have a favorite stuffed animal and being able to like create magic with the stuffed animal like okay this stuffed animal is going to come visit you in the dream space this is something that i learned as a kid was that if I would like, I didn't realize I was setting intentions before bed, but I'd be like, okay, I'm going to dream about like a a giant teddy bear and like a, a chocolate field or whatever. And I would just repeat that over and over again. So that would be like kind of like planting the seeds of like, who are my allies? Um, I was raised Catholic. And so my mom would always have me pray um, to Mary, Jesus and Joseph before bed. So those are like when I call upon like Mother Mary in my dream space, she is so helpful. So as a kid, I would say, how can you find allies? Who are your allies? Are they religious figures? Are they stuffed animals? Are they magical beings or creatures or anything that you can begin to build and um, create relationship and trust with to help you within the dream space. Um, and this could be even be like, if you have a nightmare calling upon, I like to do things cause I'm crazy on my own first. And then um, most times I can, or I guess oftentimes I can find that um, I can't do it on my own. And what I really need is help. So when I pray for help or ask for help and call for help, um, you best believe help is going to come, right? There is a humbling aspect that uh, is with asking for help and trusting that it will be heard and received and knowing that it, it will come in the dream space or perhaps afterwards. That's what I would suggest. I like that you mentioned teaching them rituals because my youngest lady, she's been having nightmares occasionally and she's a big drawler so I didn't think about having her create that dream and draw it out um she does talk to us and tell me her dreams and because I try to teach them to like be be very vocal so they something's bothering them within the dream world we'll be able to talk about it I have her pray and call on the people that if she's scared a lot of times she'll call on like my dog our dog that we used to have she'll show up in her dream and, mm. or I'll show up in her dream. And so she's starting to learn to 
to process that. But I really like that ritual. I, I'm gonna try it out with with her and see how it goes. Yeah, another great thing is like creating um, altars with children and have them pick out the pieces. Is this a crystal that you like? Is are we gonna like imbue this crystal with this protection, or perhaps grabbing other pieces? Right? Maybe it might be plants or flowers, or creating whatever they feel comfortable that they can come to the altar and say like, "This is gonna help protect me." Like you know, in Native American traditions, they have the dream catcher other uh, like feminine based traditions will use like vessels. Something that I really like is um, having a vessel, a bowl, a pot, and I like to fill it with salt water um, and to help cleanse and purify my dreams. And then after a nightmare, I'll go ahead and empty the salt water out and I'll go ahead and um, fill it again. So usually uh, what I'll do is, or what, well, I guess what it helps with is like lessening um, the blow of my nightmare. So maybe more like stress and anxiety dreams rather than like a full-blown nightmare, but just teaching kids, yeah, that they do have um, so many friends and allies in non-physical or I should say non-physical, well, yes, non-physical form, but also non-human form. That's really good to know, especially because of Ali, she has two, three kids. And so I have a bunch of nieces and nephews and they're all like really tiny, you know, they're, they're toddlers, they're, they're kids. And so I think being able to tackle your nightmares in that way, it's a really good start. So I actually have a question. So Mm -hmm. are there like certain permissions that need to be asked for or granted when in the dream space? Um, For what exactly? Do you have an example? For for anything, like I guess if they want to, let's say I want to dream about like my ancestors or like visiting the ancestral land or or like if I want to dream and like give a message to Ali, like is that something that I'll have to ask for her permission first or? Oh, I love that because what you're doing is you're asking for consent. I will always mm-hmm. say yes to consent. Um, in the dream space, what I would do is a really great way to, um, to, I wouldn't say like necessarily to like get around, but that's what's coming up is like speaking like, okay, if I want to talk to Allie, right, I'll go ahead and say, um, I'd like to speak with her highest self. May my highest self speak with her highest self. And something that I do say is like, okay, if they're willing to receive this, right? Like um, I could send Reiki energy or healing energy to people, but I always will say, yeah, like if they are willing to receive. In the dream space, I wouldn't say that there are so many like gates and barriers. I don't think, I think it's a very open space. So like when you set your intentions or you want to do something, most often um, you, it, it, it still is relationship though. So I wouldn't say that there's a barrier. Like you, if you don't ask for permission, it's not that you're not going to receive it. But I would also um, say that that's a beautiful thing to encourage people is to ask for consent, right? Like I would love to speak with my ancestors tonight. Would you like to meet me here? And something with that also is asking to speak um with well ancestors, I have found that um, when I started doing a lot of ancestral work, I was just so excited to speak to any ancestors that I would take anything. And, um, and then I started getting like really like weird requests and like a darker ancestral energy. And this is not to scare anyone, but rather to be um, to really encourage people to find their healthy boundaries within the dream space because you are incredibly receptive. So things that can like happen would be like just loss of like energy, just being tired and waking up in the morning. Um, so yeah, like what are my boundaries around this? But 
I think, does that answer your question? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes, for yeah. sure. Okay, so in regards to, to what you just mentioned about waking up tired, um, is there a reason why we wake up tired from after waking up? Ooh, okay, so I mean, I don't know if this is like the actual answer, but this is what I experience is that we are doing so much in the dream realms. Like our soul body is out there. It is engaging. It is connecting. It is learning. It is also like we're taking in and digesting information. So a lot of times when we are experiencing, like say really stressful or very, um, energized dreams, like, you know, like dreams where you go on a mission and there's like all this kind of like physical work, right? Well, think about it. Like the brain is like actually responding to all of that. It doesn't know that you're not actually doing those things. So if you're like hiking a 10 mile mountain um, in your dream space and you're on this huge mission doing this whole thing, puffing and puffing, your body's like actually creating chemical responses to that experience. Um, so it can feel incredibly uh, draining when you wake up. So something that helps for me before I kind of wake up, if I already feel like there's going to be a loss of energy is, um, in the place of like between sleep and wake, as I'm beginning to wake up, I really begin to call back in all my energy and kind of tune in like with my inner eye to my body as like blood is flowing through me, calling my spirit back in. And that is, that'll usually help a little bit. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy because um, I've talked to Ali several times and, you know, there are weeks and weeks on end where I'm just like, dang, I woke up and I'm, I'm exhausted and I, I slept for 10 hours and I don't understand. And so sometimes that, and that's something that I've heard as well, but I just wanted to kind of like get a second opinion, but yeah, I do believe it. I I totally believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, think about it, especially as like spiritual practitioners, we're doing so much in these other dimensions. Mm -hmm. um, there's very much like the part of us that are also like going out and, you know, and sending out like healing energy and yeah, I mean, just traveling so far and doing so many things. So it can totally be exhausting. Um, and then one thing that I definitely experience is like, you know, definitely with like nightmares or shadow dreams, um, there tends to be like a loss of energy, at least that I feel with that. So um, what tips do you have on anyone that wants to explore dreams? Like, are there certain teas? I know you mentioned earlier, you have a couple of teas that you'd like to drink. Um, you also mentioned prayers. Is there anything else that um, you would recommend, like, for example, protection into going into the dream state? Yeah. Protection is always great. Um, I think also like identifying, like you don't always want to constantly have an armor around you, but protection, like knowing when to put up protection. So if you set the dream intention to like work with nightmares or to work with shadow dreams or to work with these darker aspects of self protection is always great. The first thing that I have to like recommend to anyone though, it for dreaming is like, you don't need the teas or the supplements. The only thing that you really need is to be present with yourself. Those things are all like great additions, but when really cultivating a dreaming practice, um, the two most important things are, at least for me is creating the intention and setting the space. So, um, the past couple of weeks I've been traveling so much. So my dream practice has totally dropped off. And I'm saying this because as an experienced dreamer, we're really going to go through, um, what I would consider like cycles or waves of dreaming where we're going to have really profound periods, kind of like seasons of dreaming is actually the word I'm looking for, where you may have very profound, prophetic, very vivid dreams. And then there may be other times that you begin to notice that they kind of like slow down. 
And that's just natural thinking about like, you know, being humans in the world. But also with that is when you come to these periods of not remembering dreams or having less dreams, it really is a call to kind of like clean up your space and that you create for your dreaming practice. So if you want to start, the best thing is like, can you allow yourself at least 15 minutes before bed to really clear yourself to ground to let all your mind and your anxiety and those thoughts like let them run and try and like let them go um and then can you also create that same space when you wake up so one of the hardest things for people is that if you're waking up to an alarm or you're waking up to kids or a partner or anything like that um your dreams within the first five minutes you'll lose like 95 percent of them so creating the space both on the back end and on the front end are really going to help a dreaming practice other things that i would suggest is like also um looking at like some people don't say that this is a thing but i can tell you for sure like diet um so if i want to have if i really want to um invoke a dream for the evening i'll have my last meal by like 4 p.m and so what i'm doing basically is allowing my stomach to empty i'm allowing um my energy body to be really present with me and for my body not to be like spent all in digestion you'll kind of notice that if you eat late you may be groggier when you wake up or you may not remember your dreams but if you kind of give yourself this place of like, okay, I'm going to like, say today's my dreaming day. I'm going to have my last meal by 4 PM. I'm going to walk with the intention of like today I'm dreaming tonight. I'm dreaming. You begin to really cultivate this longer space of honoring the dream space. And I'm not to say that have all your meals end by 4 PM. I definitely did that for a period of my life and I had really rocking dreams, but it's not sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. It's more of like, okay, how can I move with the intention that I'm going to enter into the sacred, sacred dream space? So I like to say that sleep is sacred, dreams are church, you are the divine. And when you begin to understand that as like a truth, you'll enter the dream space with like a lot more reverence. The other thing that I have to suggest is creating a dream journal. Um, so a dream journal, you it is going to be like your best friend on this journey. You'll be able to see how um, how you specifically dream. So I have a friend who dreams really prevalently with like gods and deities and that kind of energy. That is like not my vibe at all. Her stuff is amazing. Um, my stuff is very much like astral realms, tuning into um, the emotions. So I tend to know like what's happening with um, the house that I live in. And, you know, I have housemates. I could tune into their emotional realms, not purposely or intentionally I'm not trying to like invade anyone's space but more of like picking up on all of that and then picking up on the collective energy and then I tend to dream a shadow realm so you can kind of start to see what your strengths in dreaming are and also looking at your dreams from a place of um, a total or a whole right like your one night of dreaming is actually informing a much larger story so just like I said we have seasons of dreaming if I'm going through a phase of my life where perhaps I've gotten a new job or I moved creating a dream journal is actually helping me understand that whole process along the way and then with the dream journal too you can just start to see like what themes are coming up and what is influencing your life and also like do you tend to dream precognitively which I say most people do but it's how can you personally understand your own precognitive dreams 
And I think the last thing I want to say about that, because I'm like rambling now, I'm like all excited, <laughs> is that when you create a dream journal, you're actually speaking to your subconscious mind to say that I am listening. I want to take this seriously or that I'm having fun with this even. And it begins to build consistency. And really with a dreaming practice, consistency is the biggest thing. You can really teach yourself how to open up into this. Everyone has access to it, but working with this just takes like a little bit of work to know that you're pulling all this information back from, from sleep. Right. So it's like, how do I work with that? And do you recommend writing down or drawing your dreams in your dream journal every night or just the times you have those dreams? Oh, I would say, okay, if you're really committed to a dreaming practice, I would absolutely say every morning, try to write something down. So like this morning, I've been really tired for the past couple of weeks. So my dream journal is just a few words. So some, so it could be um, elaborate, beautiful dreams. I say, if you're going to start somewhere, start with the big dreams that really move you. If you want to be committed, write or draw anything down that can be just feelings. Perhaps you don't think you remember a dream, but you're like, oh, I woke up irritable today or I woke up in a great mood. That's a great place to start. Like anything totally helps. Or maybe you don't want to write the whole narrative, but you just want to write the key words. So like last night I had a lot of family dreams. So I literally like wrote mom's family, like car ride. My stepdad was there. So I put his name down and then I put like a big hug from Deandra's my cousin's um, child. And that's also great. Like we don't have to discredit the small dreams. Mm -hmm. We can find that there is so much um, usefulness and so much wisdom, even in the small fragments of dreams that we have, because they are part of a greater truth that is trying to come through. So even if you have just like one sentence, you can still explore that like infinitely. It could keep opening up and giving. And if you write smaller pieces, you might realize that you can go back in and begin to remember more. Okay. Yeah. I have a dream journal. I don't write in it every day. I just, when I have those dreams that just won't go away. And so mm-hmm. I have to put them down. Um, but yeah. I've been have, I could tell my guys are like, you need to draw it. So mm. occasionally I will, when I have that big one. Um, but now hearing you as more confirmation than you do it. Yeah. And I think that like part of like my dreaming practice and the way that I teach and share is um, being like, how does this fit into your life? Like, I don't ever want to hand someone a dreaming practice and be like, this feels so wrong to me, or I have to change so much, or I feel uncomfortable. It's like, how can you begin to start small and build? So like, just as you shared, only the really big pressing ones are the ones that I write down. That's a great place to start. And then it builds and then it becomes more. It took my dream journal a whole year before I began to write every single day. And, um, then it just becomes something right that you just do. Like when I wake up or um, when I turn over, just jot it down real quick. For those listening, I'm a sucker for my cell phone. Um, you could totally have a handheld journal. Um, the hard thing about that, or I guess the thing that I would say, not necessarily hard, but the thing to remember about that is keep it by your bedside with the page already open and a pen there. Because if you have to get out of bed, you're probably not going to remember all of it. So I like my cell phone because I can easily look up keywords. So if I type in water into my notes app, I can see that I've had like 89 dreams with water. And then I can go and see how my water dreams have transformed over time. Mm. 
I like that. What app did you use on your phone? Oh, so I have an iPhone and I just use the notes app. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so what I do, my sister does it differently. Um, and this also depends on like, your frequency of dreaming. So my sister has just one note and she puts all her dreams on the same note and it goes okay. um, just down, down, down. So she'll just add it. For me, I have a specific folder called my traveling eyes based off of a song that I loved. And, um, and every single day gets a new note. So I'll go ahead and date it. I'll give it a title and then I'll write in any notes so I like to reflect back upon my dream journal about a month later, usually at the end of the month or like, you know, whenever I can, and I'll go back and I'll reread the journal and I'll see how many of those um, came into manifestation and in what way. So I don't know, I had in like December, I was so weird. I was like, why do I keep dreaming about like princes and like castles and like just, you know, stuff that I normally wouldn't dream about. And then, um, about three weeks later, I was watching that show like Bridgerton on Netflix, which is awful. I don't recommend it to anyone. And I'm also obsessed. I watched was so it. bad. I was drinking so much tea and uh, yeah. But so then I was like, okay, so yes, these elements were also right. I was having dreams of a future memory of this show Bridgerton. I can also look at it and say, okay, this is about three weeks out is when I first had the dream and then it started experiencing it right three weeks later. But the dream isn't just about the show Bridgerton. It's actually has themes that are speaking mm -hmm. to me using um, this language of the show that I'm currently watching, right? So it's actually mm -hmm. touching on other things while also being influenced by the show. So I can go back into my dream journal and begin to write, okay, Bridgerton. Okay. But here's also the other themes that were coming up in my life. Um, and that really helps because sometimes when you do dream work, like you're not always going to know the next morning that's exactly what that dream meant but yeah. rather in reflection you can understand okay that's how it was showing up and then use that reflection to inform how you move forward in your dreaming practice that's very insightful I love how you look at the dreams and that was something I learned in your in your course was not to look so literal and mm -hmm. and to look at the broad of what it's actually saying to you and it has helped do this since January. Um, since I moved into our new spot, I had I've had intense dreams, and then I've noticed this week that if I sleep in a certain spot in my apartment, I'll have even more intense dreams, and they're more yeah. vivid. Um, so I wanted to know if you have certain spots in where you live where it gives you more intense dreams other than your bed. Yeah, that's actually a really great question. So uh, what you brought up is basically that, right? Our bed is usually where we go to sleep for a long time. It's very comfy and we're used to that, right? So we'll go into like deeper sleep. Now, if you try and fall asleep on the couch, you're just naturally gonna be in a lighter sleep or a more uncomfortable sleep. So you'll actually just be closer to wakefulness. And the closer that you are to wakefulness is the easier it is to pull back um, dream information, right? So if I sleep on a couch or if I sleep in a hotel or I sleep in, uh, at a friend's house, just in places that are unfamiliar to me, there is this element of also being like, okay, am I uncomfortable? Or perhaps I have a little bit heightened awareness because I'm in a safe space where I need to make sure that I feel safe. And I don't know, like, you know, if you're at a hotel, you're like, oh, got to make sure all the sounds, I don't know, who knows. 
Um, but all of that is going to keep you closer to the surface and easier to pull back memories. So if you are like, okay, I really can't remember my dreams and it's really hard for me. I just knock out and go to bed. I would say, try taking a nap on the couch. If you guys have ever experienced it, you guys know that nap dreams are fucking crazy. And they're almost always what feels like in the astral realms. I don't know that, I don't know if it's just clear not going into like deep enough REM or, or what that is, but taking a nap on a couch will really just help so much. Or yeah, I would say that. So yes, absolutely to your question. Yeah, because last week I... I don't take naps really. It's really hard for me to just stop and once I'm awake. But last week I was I was reading The Alchemist and I got real mm-hmm. sleepy. And this was like around 8:30. I had already dropped my kids off and I had a 2-hour nap. I don't normally don't have naps and I had the most intense dream. And now I'm like, should I take more naps? But I me is like finding the time and then settling yeah. myself. Yeah, totally. I, I love that. So when I first started having um, like really profound dreams, it's basically when I open myself up to receiving them. I had always dreamed in like a certain way. Um, and then once I really started to understand that dream space was so much more than just purely my subconscious, but really like a place of communication. Um, I used to have these bouts. It was crazy where suddenly I would just get so tired, like almost like narcolepsy. And like I said, I'm a really like dense earth sign. And so the only way my guides communicate to me was to knock me out. And I would just like take a nap for like an hour and I would have all these dreams and I would wake up like, oh, okay, I got it. (laughs) understood but it was also kind of like scary because I would just feel like this drawing in coming Mm -hmm. in and be like it's time to sleep it's time for you to come here but yeah I would say like if you feel called to napping more sure but um if not like you know it, it is a lot of time I think um at least like an hour I definitely am not like a cat napper by any means like if I'm napping I'm like knocked out I I that was the first time I felt that pull to nap and it was probably because my guys were like but you need a rest like you got shit you need to do <laughs> and you're not yeah, totally. and you're like in the waking world you're like all this stuff going so that was the time that they're like okay this is the moment because after this moment there won't be one <laughs> Yeah. And I love that too, especially considering that the alchemist, his whole journey is about a dream. So it's like time for you to dream time for you to come to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. But then it's fine. It's like, here, you should rest, but also I'm going to give you a really intense dream. So it's like, thanks. (laughs) Well, all this symbolism that you have to unpack and figure out what was this? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Alrighty. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The information shared on this podcast is based on Allie and Arlene's experiences, opinions, and research done beforehand. Neither Allie or Arlene are licensed practitioners. We advise you to do your own research on each topic mentioned. We are not responsible for your stupidity. (laughs) 
welcome back. I love your shirt. I'm a huge Sailor Moon fan. I could still watch it, you know, all the time. I watched Sailor Moon this winter during a total massive bout of depression. And I was like, (laughs) it was totally, it was my anchor. It's so beautiful to watch because I watched it when I was like, I don't know, in my early teens and something about like the planets and how they approach the series was really well formulated, but then also how they presented non-binary genders. Yes, totally right in the 90s. Yeah. And so I was just like, I mean, back then there really wasn't like a name for like all the different types Mm-hmm. like there are today but just how they presented it it was so graceful and so like well done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah totally I totally agree with that too because I was just like shocked I was like whoa way ahead of the curve over here in the states yep. and also side note um, when I talk about shows for dreaming I totally started watching Sailor Moon because she battles basically like demons And that's a lot of like part of like my dreaming work that I do. So it was helping me to also understand like demon work in a way that is so like out there in the sense Uh of um, just recognizing like in Sailor Moon, they're like, oh, well, this is the demon of girls or people who need to lose weight to like feel like they're valuable and like look in society. It's like, well, that literally like is a demon that people have, like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk about the... uh, the weight loss and diet industry, that's a fucking demon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many other aspects of things that they were battling. I was like, yes, that is literally a demon. Yeah. And so it was really cool opening up into that. With that in mind, have you heard about Dream Gates? In the Art of Dreaming by Don Juan, mm-hmm. how he presented it was you go through the first gate and to connect to your dream, your energy body. And then progressing and being able to bring your energy body and your awakening. Okay. So I don't know exactly what he is speaking about, but also what kind of comes up for me is like in, in Toltec dreaming is that there's like nine levels of dreaming and each level you go like, I'm deeper into like more complex levels of awareness and understanding of like the universe and dreaming and you're able to do more. So as you like progress into these levels, it could be like, say like lucid dreaming is only like at a level two of like level, but I think it's, is it eight or nine levels of dreaming that they have? And that would only be considered a level two, right? So like, there's so much more that is accessible um, mm-hmm. past the first and second level, which most people reside at a first level of dreaming, which is um, like not even remembering your dreams. And then like dream recall would be like between like one and two and then two would be like lucid dreaming um that's all I really have on that I haven't experienced like those levels of power within the dream space that actually reminds me of the movie Inception where Mm -hmm. they they go through like all these different levels and the further into the dream state that they go time just moves differently and everything just can be altered in different ways that's incredible. Yeah. So, have you ever had those dreams where you wake up and you wake up from like four different dreams? Yeah. I've had to like hop different dreams, like to wake up. I think I wake up and I actually wake up into another dream. And then I have to like keep climbing levels of awareness until I can reach back to my physical body. 
I call them like layers or levels to dreaming. And there's just certain times that we could just like travel deeper. Like what I would consider like our subconscious mind would be like a field that we can access. And then once we travel outside of that, we're traveling into like deeper dimensions of like reality. So what I understand from experiencing that is that I was actually in other places, um, other non-physical dimensions and making my way back up to uh, the consciousness that resides closer to my body. Um, but otherwise, oh man, I don't even know like why I would be there. Also just like, there's not just one reality, right? Like we're yeah. operating on like, like an infinite number of fields. So maybe that's just being granted access to knowing that like my dream body is in many different dimensions at once and I probably don't even have the full awareness of all of them right so how can one as a starter or even already on their dream journey strengthen their dream body is that something that they can do prior to dreaming like with setting intentions yeah strengthening dream body is a great question I would definitely say dream recall is the best place to start with strengthening the dream body and with pre-bed ritual and intention setting. As I mentioned earlier, diet as well, like being able to eat more wholesome, nourishing foods and less like processed foods helps a lot with recall. Even something that I noticed specifically within myself is like, I'm not gluten-free. I was years ago, but like gluten definitely clogs up like my memory. And so strengthening your dream body is working with it, right? Another thing that I think really helps is finding other people to share your dreams with. I find that whenever I'm in dream circle or whenever I'm communicating with other dreamers after this tonight, I we're activating each other in this dream conversation. So um, most likely one of us or all three of us are going to have a stronger, more prominent dreams tonight because we're all sharing this field of energy and this, this field of dreaming. So definitely also like reading up on dreaming practices that interest you um, will help strengthen it because the more excited and the more present it is within your reality, the more likely that you are going to be able to recall and imagine and create and do all these different things within dreaming. So like For example, I was really obsessed with Avatar The Last Airbender and it was so cool that I was like practicing right back with elements of like, how can I firebend in my dreams? And that excitement of wanting to create something in my dream space was also strengthening my dream body and my dream recall because I had something that I wanted to do within there. It's so important to recognize that it's not one or the other. It's not dreaming and waking, even though I will use that language, but rather seeing it as two parts of a whole and both of them are informing each other. So if I take my waking life experiences and I bring it into the dream space, I can begin to uh, cultivate or refine them, right? Perhaps there's a skill that I want to learn. Perhaps there's something that I want to try how to do. Perhaps it's like working on like my emotional body. And then the dream space being informed by the waking life will begin to give you like an opening into perhaps other ways of experiencing this um, because perhaps our conscious mind can only see in a very narrow mind way and the dreaming realms will then expand it. And then so we'll have, right, our dreams, our experiences within that, which will then inform how we now move into waking existence so when we begin to see them part as of 
a spiral or a cycle or a circle, we can see how all of them are communicating with each other. Atla just was so beautiful in its simplicity, right? The storyline and the characters were just spanned over like multiple seasons. Every single episode had like moral, it had lessons. There was something that I learned as a human. And this is why I love watching cartoons, guys. Like I watch children's shows. That's like all I watch is because they're actually teaching me how to be in the world. And so yeah. when I can come back to the that childhood, like learning, there's wonder again, and then there's beauty. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's how you show up, right? Like Avatar The Last Airbender is literally about a bunch of kids who have been displaced by like war. So they're um, refugees trying to save the world and trying to bridge compassion and so much within that. When I watched The um, Last Airbender, one that really stuck out to me was when he went into the other world and he had a face that like that creature but he couldn't make an expression the face dealer. yeah it taught me a lot about how I look at those monsters in the dream and not being fearful of them and just keeping myself more neutral because they can go and take that energy from you and feed off yes. of it and with my youngest I try to teach her that like when don't be fearful just don't show those expressions because they're gonna feel it and they're gonna know they're scaring you and they're gonna continue Yes. You brought up such a great point to share with everyone is this is what I teach is that the first emotion or feeling that you're going to feel is going to be fear. Like Mm -hmm. you can tell yourself all the time, the next time I don't see a monster that I'm not going to be afraid. You're probably going to be afraid. It's how you choose to engage with it afterwards, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I acknowledge I'm afraid and can I stand in my truth and in my center? So you're totally right when um, we experience like fearful dreams, especially like entity dreams, when we get scared or anything like that, more scary things will come. It's like, how can you begin to regulate your breath? This helps a lot with sleep paralysis and sleep paralysis. People experience a lot of like um, creepy ass figures above them doing like terrible things. And the more scared we are, the more we attract that. But if you mm-hmm. can begin to be like in, in sleep paralysis and perhaps there's nothing above you yet. And you just learn to like regulate your breath and come to this place of just like, I am safe. I'm okay. Perhaps you call in guides or spirits perhaps you imagine white light within you or a bubble around you you can actually see you can actually find that sleep paralysis is the launching ground for astral projection it's like you're aware that your spirit body um is there that's why you have a sleep paralysis because you're also aware of your physical body your physical body isn't moving so you're kind of like in these two realms as at once and if you can regulate yourself you can actually begin to astral project and grow and in so many different ways yeah I've only experienced sleep paralysis twice one of them was right before I was falling asleep like it felt like everything still mm-hmm. and uh something was like had appeared and I remember being mad that it appeared in my house. And then <laughs> it, out of nowhere, I went unstuck and I woke up and I went and turned off the TV and I'm like, what the hell? And I went to sleep. And I was like, yeah. I'm not going to process this right now. No, but- that's totally like launching ground for astral projection right there in that place, which is one of the biggest things that people have to do when astral projecting is first working through the fear, right? Because it is like suddenly you're fully aware of, Um, the astral realms, you're aware of uh, your astral body, you might feel vibrations or sensations that feel really crazy. For me, I've 
went through a period where I thought there were constantly earthquakes every night. And so I realized that that was just like my own energy body. It's like, oh, is there an earthquake? And um, yeah, so being able to, when presented with fear, asking yourself, okay, how can I move through this? And I think that's an important question that everybody should ask, even when they're not in the dream state. Like, I am fearful of this. Why? And how can I move through this? Mm-hmm. So besides dream, what are your other interests? Because I know you're a Taurus and Taurus have like so many interests. <laughs> we love a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. So my other interests besides dreaming um, would definitely be energy work. That is something that I've been really working on with myself, learning how to tune into my own energy and then also communicating with plants. Like I said, I've been working a little bit more with herbalism and just kind of like understanding spirit communication there are certain things that I'm really willing to see through. And like, those are the things that are actually for me, but like trying everything on is also so important for me to understand like what is not for me. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I think like, Oh, that this thing is really popular right now that I have to then try it or do it. And I find that for myself, like how I understand more of me is actually kind of by all the doors that close for me, which is kind of a lot at times but it's like, oh, I opened something and I'm like, ah, nah, that's not for me. Okay, cool. But I'm like closer to myself afterwards. Yeah, I feel that too. Wanting to experience and making sure that like, isn't really something I want to go down. But I think that's good though, because you know, for a fact that either you like it or you don't like it. It's not because somebody else told you, oh, I don't like it because of this. And then you just never tried it and took that other person's response to it. So you have the opportunity to say, okay, I I like it because of this, or I don't like it because of this. Yeah, that's actually so true because I think I, I think that what comes up for me when you say that is that I would rather try something than live with the regret of not having tried said thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that same way too. Is there something that's coming up with you within your dreams that you would like some insight on? The dreams I've had these this year, they have to do like with my dog that we end up rehoming. And when I dream of her or she, when she appears in my dream, like there's always like chaos following after it, but she's always there. I've always wondered why like those types of dreams kind of follow when she does appear. And she's always really excited. She comes and meets my energy there because she knows, I guess, because I miss her and stuff. And so, but it always follows some kind of chaos once she does appear. She, uh, okay, sorry, to clarify question. She appears after chaos or she appears and then chaos follows? She appears and then chaos follows because like this week she appeared in my dream and I haven't had a dream of her in like a few months and it was it was dark and it was rainy and then I I guess I felt she was around so I had went outside and I saw her and I called to her and she came she was super excited and then because we had read Homer the person emailed and said that it's raining she had gone out and they can't find her and I'm reading this and she's sitting next to me and I'm like eh and I just closed it (laughs) And I'm like, in the dream? <laughs> yeah, in my dream. And she's sitting next to me. And I'm like, whatever. And I, I'm like, she's here with me now. That's all that matters. And then afterwards, I don't know, men had showed up and trying to take her because I have built this warrior spirit these past two years and through my childhood. I always have like guest weapons on me. And the man, <laughs> he had grabbed her and had said something really mean. So I had pushed her, pushed him, I mean, and to like get him off of her. 
then he had slapped me and then I slapped him back and I have these armor on me within my dream world my knife appeared and I remember when I had slapped him with my other hand I had cut him across his face and then like everything kind of went crazy he was like even more mad and then they left and she was still there and then the scene had jumped and I was talking to his brother like we were walking down the street talking to, to that man's brother about everything that had happened but I don't remember our full conversation and then we end up at a shop at a restaurant and then I had noticed something and my attention went on to that and I woke up I'm curious about how you felt when you woke up in the morning like I felt like something wasn't right like mm-hmm. I kept thinking of her and why like all this always happens like when she comes mm. to see yeah. me it's like the the family that she has now is like that's the energy they're always trying to come and take her back to wherever they're at and that's what I noticed this this past one that the ones I've had before they're always chaos afterwards and it's always the energy of the other family that has her coming back and getting her Yeah. Okay. So I have a few things that come up with this for everyone who's listening. There isn't just one way to look at the dream or receive the dream, but instead finding multiple ways to enter in the dream. So if we're going to talk about like energetics of seeing the dream as this is actually the energy of Ali's old dog and you and everything, I would ask what comes up from the narrative of the dream is there's a part of her that wants to be with you and it's really hard, right? Like energetically when the family keeps pouring her back in. Um, so it feels like this place of like, yeah, in a process of being of rehoming, how could I not long for the people who I once was with? Mm-hmm. And so the chaos is like, think about like the emotional aspect of what it is to not be able to return to a home that you've been to before, right? Like that's where Mm -hmm. that chaos comes in for me. Something else, seeing it from a different point of view is, is this actually a part of um, your subconscious? And I like to use just for the listeners, you're going to hear me flip it for if it were my dream. And this is just the way to own our own projection. So I'm not saying, Ali, you had this dream because you gave up you know, whatever, but instead of being like, this is what comes up for me as I experience your dream. So if this were my dream, I would wonder if the dog is actually a theme for the feelings of when we take apart rehoming, right? So having to give something away that you actually perhaps might want. Um, For me, that would be like, if I had to give something that I love to someone else, because I'm no longer to be in this situation, I'm going to feel a sense of loss. And when I feel like I can have that again, it's going to feel very hard for it to be taken away from me. So I would wonder if this is a theme that isn't just about the energy of the dog, perhaps is there something in my life right now that I feel like I want to hold on to that is being taken away from me? Is this about the dog themselves or is this about something that's actually being experienced within me that feels when I hold on, there's more chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately like it's not for me anymore. Like this thing that I love or this thing that I want, even if I want it here, it's perhaps time for it to go and the energy that's being created from that is from the place of holding um, and even the place of thinking that like well it's mine or it's back Mm -hmm. to me Um, and then that comes into like attachment styles right I like how you um, looked at it because the feeling of having to give her up even though that wasn't something I wanted to do but understood of that's for her good and not my selfish Mm -hmm. reason and so 
it made when you were talking, it made me think of that feeling of not being fully accepting of what had transpired. Because I do miss her, I want what she is in my presence just to keep her, even though she does not belong to me anymore. She's within a new family. But I like the way you saw it. Now, when I have those dreams of her, hopefully it doesn't create the chaos how it was, how it is before. Yeah. I mean, think about that, right? Like a lot of, I mean, this is like part of the human experience, right? But like, we also are helping to create our own, our own suffering in these ways. And I think of course it's totally natural and okay to like miss your dog and to um, love your dog and to have that longing for them. And what I would suggest is in the dream space, perhaps doing like a dream reimagining or like the next time that I experience this, instead of also like, it may not be true to just be willing to give the dog back to the owners, but like in the dream, it's like, oh, maybe we can all go to the park together. Maybe there's ways that I can ease myself into this process that doesn't feel like, well, you're supposed to feel fine. You're supposed to feel better. It's not your dog anymore. Just forget about it. Like that's also not the other end of things, right? Mm -hmm. It's illuminating that something is there, that there is a pain there and that there's a wound there. But it's like, how can I bring myself into wholeness and healing with this? And what does that look like? So this is where like uh, meditation and reimaginings and using your third eye really comes in handy because we can all also provide ourselves that same healing. Um, just as we talked earlier in the episode, right? It's like, well, why am I tired when I wake up? Well, our body's responding to all these images. So perhaps if I can see this in a less chaotic situation and I'm reimagining it perhaps as chaos beginning to find its balance and its order and beginning to calm down, I can also like reprogram myself or like help calm myself with that to see um and to feel this within my body um, in a new way and that's what we call like dreaming the dream forward or dream re-entry or uh, active imagination is actually being able to say well the dream doesn't end just where it my awareness of it ended i have the opportunity and ability to dream it forward i like that i'm gonna start putting that forward and and dream with that intention of creating that space. I like that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for the interpretation. Because that dream, the whole day, it just had me like baffled. And then trying yeah. to see the symbols and see what the deep meaning is. So thank you. Yeah. Arlene, did you want to say anything about the dream that comes up for you with that? For Ali's dream, I mean, if it were my dream, I definitely see the connection of loss and then wanting to have that back. I also, if it were my dream, like Mila, she still in that same kind of like energy that she wants to be with Allie and the family and the girls and and everyone else and she she tries to like take that opportunity and see you as best she can so I think it's beautiful that she visits you still and I feel like part of it is a way because she visits my youngest the most I had Mila when I was pregnant with her and so Mila went through that whole process of when I was pregnant and then after having her and Mila is Alaskan Malamute and so they're very family oriented and Mm -hmm. so my youngest and her were like that was her nanny she wherever Mm -hmm. my youngest my youngest was at Mila was there and I really didn't have to like worry much because she would like her bodyguard so when my youngest she, she had woke up one morning and she was crying and I'm like what's wrong she was like they stole Mila. I'm like, what do you mean they stole Mila? She's like, in my dream. Cause she had a hard time of the rehoming process. And I remember I told her, I'm like, cause she's normally her bodyguard and somebody, she has a companion in there in the dream world. And I'm like, well, 
get your sword and rescue her when you go back to the dream. And she was like, okay. And she got excited. And then after that, there was no issue. Her and Mila, yeah, that bond. And mm-hmm. it, it's nice to have her. Because sometimes I feel her when I'm just chilling or like I'll feel her energy with me. And I'll talk to it because mm-hmm. I'm very animal creature person. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my guys are animals. Having those dreams, I, I was wondering why this was and and I thank you um, Gigi for your interpretation and helped me look yeah. at it in a different perspective I want to say one more thing on that now that you've talked and what's um, come up for me here is that um, also as like intuitive spiritual beings we have the opportunity to help like regulate and give healing to animals as well so if we are going to take the dream as uh, this Mila the dog who's coming here and she's actually expressing that like I'm with you and as if if it were my dream and I'm in your position right and I'm like yes your mind stay here that also creates like emotional confusion for the dog so Mm -hmm. I would be like how can I, in my power, tell her that she's safe and that she's loved and bring her to settle her internal chaos, right? Where it's just like, well, what do I do? I feel like I'm in two worlds. And it's just like, well, we can be here and we can also love this situation as, as well. Because maybe perhaps the dog is feeling um, feelings of like, I can't betray my family, right? Mm-hmm don't take me away. You're stealing me. And maybe there's ways that energetically we can begin to communicate and say, it is safe. It is okay. And we still love you. You can visit us and we can still also be happy here too. We can have both. I like that. I like the outlook. Thank you. Arlene, do you have any questions? I want to say that the biggest question that I had in regards to the dream was the one that I mentioned during the dream circle, the initiation dream. That was like, <laughs> for two years I was like what does this dream mean and so for for the listeners and for Ali who I haven't spoken to about it I had a dream a couple of years back in which I sat across the table I think it's like an ancestor slash me because I've had dreams before where I've been told that I am an ancestor and so she pretty much just said if you want to go to the land of lost time, you have to do the first initiation. And so Gigi and the dream circle were able to help me figure out what it was and what it meant. So that was my biggest dream question. Was there anything that you wanted to explore with that right now? Maybe, I guess the red lace, the dream circle, we discussed that it it was connected to the ancestors, but I can't quite recall if it was like a curse slash gift. Well, okay. So that just made me think about, I'm like re- listening to all the Harry Potter and like his curse <laughs> is his gift right like yeah um, and so that's totally what comes up for me is like these things that we think are curses are also um, gifts because they open up so many new levels of awareness or um, growth in working with that curse right to either to overcome it or to understand it or to bring it in or to transmute it so I would also say just in the same way earlier that we said right that nightmares show the wound for healing it's kind of like that same thing it is both a curse and a gift in the way that if you choose to move through it right imagine who we get to be on the other side of that or who we already are we're just taking the steps to step into that version of self. Yeah, because there are quite a few things that come up when it comes to my ancestors. And like the the first thing that does come up is um, emotions, right? So I think I mentioned this in the dream circle, but my ancestors, the ones that I'm more, more connected to actually are really, really upset. And so they're upset at 
what has happened to their lands because of the colonizers and to this day how we have still struggled to even be noticed and so one of the things that really does come up our emotions because they do transpire that very well and very clear and sometimes I can be having a perfectly good day and then suddenly I'm upset because I don't know why but it's actually them trying to like tell me something and so that's one of the I think that's one of the things that the red lace means is that anger and emotions are something that I really need to look into because that is my curse yet my gift yeah totally like what comes up for me is like having stronger boundaries we can always redefine relationships, even if they feel like uncomfortable, but like just because we're communicating with ancestors in one certain way where they're able to then completely transfer these heavy emotions to us. And we've allowed this for years. doesn't mean that we can't stop and say, Hey, listen, this may have worked before, but actually I need this to be communicated only when I'm in perhaps sacred space. When I open up the conversation like that, recognizing to be effective in this work it's like I have to also be able to show up in my life right like I could still do my ancestor work and also perhaps we're going to create some clearer boundaries of what feels safe and comfortable for me otherwise if I'm going to spend my whole day um, feeling upset and in bad mood I actually won't be able to show up fully for what you're asking for me I'm only going to be perhaps operating from a place of anger or a place from rage or a place from hurt but if we do it in say another way I can still use those as motivators but in a more healthy way so being able to tune into that and also perhaps there's like other ancestors that we can work with perhaps it's like okay I I'm taking everything that you're experiencing and this is something that's really important in my life and I want to work with this but also the person that I need to communicate is somebody who can clearly speak without letting their emotions take over so that way we can create an effective plan and a way to work through all of this instead of letting the emotions just overshadow the work that actually needs to be done right like sometimes when we think about our day we may have one one emotion that just takes over the whole thing and then we look at our day and we miss all the other beautiful things that happened because this one specific emotion was really loud so when we work with ancestors i i also encourage people to say like okay yes I hear this. And also I can't fully hold all of that in my being at all times. So how can we work through this together in a way that benefits everyone or whatever the capacity is for you to work personally with your ancestors? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. I really enjoyed it all and all the information that you dropped. And I took one of your other classes. I think it was just a day class. But it was talking about the connections we have with everybody that's kind of around us in a certain area. It was a really good conversation. I really enjoyed and I've learned so much. There's so many teas and little things and downloads that I've got just within this time that we've been speaking. And Mm. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me as a guest. This was fun. I appreciate it. This brings us to the end of the episode. We'd like to give a huge thanks to Juliana for agreeing to be on this podcast, sharing so much valuable wisdom. If you want to know more about Juliana, you can follow her on Instagram at the Honey Hive Buzz for upcoming events and to learn more about who she is and what she offers. For our next episode, Ali and I will continue the Dream Series conversation and discuss what we have learned and experienced in regard to the dream world. 
Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at magicalteas.oracles.